It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the weekend edition, the recap edition. Man, do we have some stuff to recap. Justin Ferguson here in a now cold Auburn, Alabama. It got cold over here overnight. Uh, I have a feeling it's been colder already in parts unknown, and that's where Painter Sharpless is dialing in from. Hello, Painter. What's up, dude? Well, this is, uh, is going to be a fun episode. We've got a good bit to talk about. We've got Auburn basketball. We've got Auburn football. Also want to talk a little bit about uh, Auburn's new football uh, facility uh, that, uh, that I got to tour uh, on Friday and just kind of talk through some things there. Um, it's a big one. There's going to be a lot to get to. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in and listening. Thank you for those of you who are subscribers to The Observer. Thank you to those of you who listen to the free podcast. Having a feel, I have a feeling this one's going to be a uh, a uh, a higher listen to one than maybe some ones we've done recently, just because of the way the season has gone. Let's start with football, of course. Auburn thirteen, Texas A and M ten. Painter, I tweeted it at Tiger Walk before the game. Um, you could not tell that this team was three and six, and the team that they were playing was three and six, and that team was not Georgia, or, or and it was not Alabama. This was an atmosphere that lived up to the hype, and then some. We had a feeling that Cadillac Williams' first home game as Auburn's interim head coach is because of the 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 stock he has as an Auburn legend, um, the amount of fight I think they showed a week earlier against Mississippi State just ratcheted up even more. And, you know, before the game, I went out, stepped out from the press box, stepped up on, onto the ramp, uh, inside Jordan Hare, and just took in that final pregame scene, the tunnel. They did the co- go, ca- go crazy Cadillac. Wow. Video uh, is part of the tunnel. It was the only way to open it up. Um, you know, I think there were uh, there were a couple people who listened to us and 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 you know follow us on Twitter. I saw like was like, all right, this is how you do. It. You gotta you gotta go you gotta go blackout, go crazy Cadillac. Then the tunnel videos. Like that's exactly what they did. Uh, so that was really cool. But this atmosphere was just second to none, and um, you know it was it, it was really special. It was really special, and I think you know it's 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 unique circumstances for sure. Um, and and we'll talk a lot about what happened on the field um, because not a lot of it was great. It wasn't a great football game, but in in a sense, it just it, there was so much of it that that really really worked for Auburn. Um, I, this was a this was a game that I think sent a message, um, you know, to people who have seen Auburn, who have heard Auburn, um, and kind of have their opinions on what's going on here. And, you know, we've told you for weeks now, don't trust, don't listen to people who, you know, don't seem to know what they're talking about from a national perspective about who would want the Auburn job oh, everything at Auburn looks so terrible and it looks like it's all falling apart. And Look, it's been a rough season. It's been a lot of troubles, and, and Auburn football has not been where it has wanted to be in the last few years. But on Saturday night, it was a display of what this place can be and what it is when things just get really, really in unique circumstances. But it was a message. So if you're among the people out there who say, well, who would actually want the Auburn job? Look, this team was three and six, okay? Three and six. This was a game to avoid being the last place team in the SEC West. It was a sellout. 
and the crowd was amped from beginning to end. Even when Auburn couldn't do anything on offense, couldn't finish their drives, beginning to end, that place was rocking. It was on full tilt. And that is a message, I think, to future coaches, to future players, to anybody watching, that Auburn football can be like this without a championship, without being a contender. And that's something that the next wave of whatever this looks like at Auburn in terms of leadership uh, of the football program is going to be able to inherit. And if you get that buy-in and you get that spirit, because it can come up, bang, out of nowhere, right? There's not a whole lot of reasons to buy into this team. There's not a whole lot of reasons to believe in this team at this point. Yet everybody turned it up for this one last SEC game, this one big blowout in a night game to get Cadillac Williams' first win. And there it was. It was it was remarkable. It was, it was, a, it was a night that uh, I think a lot of people who were in there are never going to forget. Uh, yeah, I would say this was about as galvanizing of a game, and really the last couple of weeks have been about as galvanizing for a fan base that you could ask for. I mean, it's really exactly what you would want while you're going through a bad season with an interim coach. I... You know, I I have to, I have to say, I mean, I've been wrong a lot and will continue to be wrong. I was really wrong about the Caden Bridges uh, targeting call last night. That looked like it was textbook to me. <laughs> nope. I guess I guess the one thing, and somebody somebody pointed out this to me on Twitter. It was a good point. I I can't can't remember who who it was. So I'm sorry if you're listening and I'm and I'm blanking on your name. But it was like the fact that the A and M receiver kind of ducked his head. Maybe had something to do with it, you know, but um, we had talked, Painter, uh, you know, in the middle of the year was like, okay, if you fire Brian Harson, like how much does it actually help? How much of a real benefit is there? And I had said kind of flippantly, like, okay, yeah, maybe the fans are uh, more engaged for the last few, few games. Um, I, I underestimated how much of that, impact it was going to be because I think because again I think it's because it was Cadillac because of the t- the way the team fought in a tough circumstance at Mississippi State in that chaotic week last week um that's it right there I mean like that uh, that is a that is a commercial for whoever your next head coach could be that is a moment and an experience and a win that guys who aren't going to be on this team next year that are going to go on to the NFL that are that are going to graduate like they're going to be able to carry that that last big game they had in Jordan Hare as as tough as their careers may have been as tough as their season has been they're going to get to walk out with that um you know fresh in their minds so there yeah, there is a ton of benefit to that there is a ton of benefit to it and uh I'll tell you man Cadillac Williams the passion and the and the belief and just the inspiration he has to so many people in Auburn football, whether you are a player or a coach or a fan, it goes a long way. And he talked after the game about how he's just getting these guys to buy in and just say, Hey, be vulnerable. Like we, like we need to do a better job. The quote, this is a money quote here from Cadillac Williams, but I want to, I want to single it out specifically. He said, I want to thank these players. I mean, how awesome are they? I challenge those guys to be vulnerable, open your heart, let us in. You got people that care for you. You got people that want to see you do well. A lot of times, it just felt like they didn't feel that way. And like I told my staff when I took this job, and I'm part of it, 
We have failed these kids. It's our job to elevate them, to inspire them, to empower them, to get them going, and we ain't done a good enough job. He's gotten that back. And I think, I mean, just there's so much you can like. Cadillac, you know, had the the pregame interview uh, with Cole Kubelik right as they were running onto the field. The postgame, you know, if you heard anything from from the media, I mean, the man came in with the biggest smile on his face because he had the game ball. I mean, he had that thing. He had that thing strapped up under him like he was about to take it, you know, take it for a touchdown. Um but, I mean, just the thing that he he admits is, like, yeah, like, you know, we've gotten these guys to play like this, and he's like, we haven't done that. And he's like, and I'm part of it. Like, that was a, that was a huge thing because, you know, I think people are trying to, like, kind of point out, like, oh, you know, calling out the previous staff, calling out Harson and all that. Like, it's like, no, man, I'm, I'm part of that as well. And it's just that honesty. He talked about how scared he was last week. He talked about how, um, he needed his guys, his running backs, to kind of tell him and motivate him and say, like, hey, just be yourself and you've got this. We've got you. Like, that honesty, that passion, that vulnerability, all that, it's just you don't get that in a lot of coaches. And and I think it's in a season like this, you just get you just go over the top with it if you're Auburn and, and just and just rally around this guy. Um, really, really incredible. Just a really incredible scene. And, um, man, there were so many people that were there just to watch Cadillac Williams get that win. And uh, let me tell you, I don't know what's going to happen here moving forward with, with Auburn's coaching search. I feel like I feel like there's there are candidates, including one big candidate, that makes the most sense as, as the number one guy. Uh, and that candidate lost a close game to Alabama uh, yesterday. But... Um, I mean this. I mean people are people are going to push for Cadillac to get the permanent job. They're just and, and and the players love him. And and there's there's just so much that he has done in these two weeks that I just this this team's just playing with a different energy and a different level. There's no reason a team that's three and six should be jumping up and down, dancing on the sidelines, and just playing their guts out. Because you want to know how I know that? Because the one on the other side was not doing that at all. And Texas A&M has been through a lot this year, but I mean night and day about what was going on on the sidelines in this game so our friend and observer satellite reporter austin ivy we have discussed that this might be the best bad season a team could enjoy right like no one's celebrating that auburn probably isn't going to a bowl game these aren't the expectations you have but uh, there are reasons to be optimistic right now I think the fan base and seemingly the leadership is as aligned as I can remember it being uh, there's sort of the natural reset you're getting with a new athletic director and the need for a new hire. Um, and in the meantime, your interim head coach has given your program a jolt of life. So, you know, does anybody want to be sitting here at four and six? No, but given that you might be, uh, I think you're the best job available in this coaching cycle of hires. Yep. And given the way the last few weeks have gone, especially the narrative that was set initially around Harson being fired, oh, nobody wants to be there, it's a mess. I think the last two weeks have put some of that to bed. I mean, there are still going to be people who keep beating that drum. There's nothing you can do to convince them that Auburn's a good job or that there's promise. But it's hard to look at the last two weeks of college football for Auburn and what Cadillac has done and maybe the direction that they seem to be heading. I say they, meaning like the leadership 
uh, people behind the scenes, it feels like Auburn is stepping into a new area where there's some opportunity to really move forward in a way that maybe Auburn hasn't always had its ducks in a row. No, a hundred percent. And I think, I think the timing of things like opening up the new football facility will put play into that as well. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be easy. There's still a lot of work to be done and a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of room to grow for this program. Um, but I mean, they just beat Texas A&M last night with a lot of heart and energy and desire. Like Cadillac said it after the game in regards to the defense, he said, um, you know, what we're lacking in talent, the people say and bodies and the people that have moved on and the naysayers, uh, we can make up for that with our attitude or our effort and our mindset. And, and, and I think the Mississippi state game and the, um, and the Texas A&M game are great, great proofs, proofs of that. And also, I mean, Auburn could have played a lot better in both of those games. And um, you win one of them and you lose another one in overtime on the road. Like, you won ugly in this one. And we'll talk about we'll talk about just the, the on-field product here. But, I mean, it's like at, at some point you kind of have to look at it and be like, all right, who cares? You know? Fixing the offense, finishing drives, what you're going to get out of your quarterbacks, offensive line, all that. That's the next guy's thing to worry about. Like you're going to fix that over this next off season, the next year, and all and all that. Um, just getting a win was all that mattered. You know, it didn't matter if Auburn won that game by fifty or or you know or won it on a last second wild play like the Missouri game. The point was just to get the win, and they did it. Um, I I find it hilarious before we get into just the the, the on field stuff find it hilarious that in a season that has been really bad for Auburn, they're not going to be in last place in the SEC West. I mean, how, 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 how may this whole off season was about, can A&M take the step and like get over Nick Saban, you know, and, and finally send the message. And lo and behold, Alabama's not going to Atlanta. But neither is Texas A&M because Texas A like Alabama lost two games earlier than anybody expected, and Texas A&M was the first team in uh, the SEC to get eliminated from bowl contention. Everybody else still got a shot because Vanderbilt beat Kentucky uh, on uh, on Saturday. Everybody else still got a shot except for Texas A&M, except for the team that got the number one recruiting class last year. That was the subject and the attention of so many. You know, so many people this offseason, the one that's paying their coach a fully guaranteed contract that's one of the biggest in college football, and they lost to an interim head coach on a team that has gone through a ton this year and has lost talent and has lost bodies and have lost, you know, coaches, and they still won that game. Um, Insane. Insane to think about. Like, as bad as Brian Harson's tenure was at Auburn, his second season, his season that, you know, his season that he got fired in is not going to be as bad as 2012. It's guaranteed not to be as bad as 2012. Uh, and, uh, yeah, really, 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 really wild, uh, turn of events here. And I tweeted it. We'll get, again, we'll get, we'll get to the game right, right now, but I tweeted it last night. LSU's going to Atlanta. Auburn could have beaten Auburn probably should have beaten LSU the way they play that game. But that is a lesson to A, not overreact to week one. 
because I think there were so many people who thought that Florida State after that Florida State game that LSU was going to be dreadful this year. And number two, when things have gone bad very quickly for your football program, do not be afraid to pull the trigger, get rid of that coach, and then with his replacement, swing for the freaking fences. Because that's exactly what LSU did. They fired a coach that got him to a national championship because it was going south quickly and everybody could see it. And then they went out and got Notre Dame's head coach. Not saying Auburn's going to go get you know, a blue blood team's head coach and poaching, but I'm saying you can swing heavy with this and it can be worth it a lot quicker than you thought think it's going to be. Let's talk All about right, that beautiful, beautiful football game we watched. So here's the thing. There were so many 2004 references in this game. The linking the arms, uh, running out onto the field. There were a lot of 2004 players there. I mean, so many. I lost count of how many guys came back to be with Cadillac and to help you know help him experience this moment. They looked so happy in the post game on the field. It was really cool to see. It was also a 2004 nostalgia fest in the fact that man, this football game looked a lot like some Tuberville era games. Um, I guess let's start with the positives. Auburn's defense beat the stuffing out of Texas A&M. Now, this Texas A&M team has had a lot of problems on offense this year. Their offensive line is worse, I think you can say at this point, than Auburn's is You know, this season. Connor Wagman is a five-star quarterback um, who was playing in his first career road game, only his second real work of the season, extended work in the season. Buddy, they had that man in misery most of the game. Um, we'll talk some more about that. No Devin A. Kane uh, for for uh, for uh, Texas A&M in this game. That made a huge difference because he's such a good running back. He's such a good big playmaker. A&M popped a few runs, but really they couldn't get anything going. This was a game where Auburn was like, okay, their advantage was Auburn's defensive line against their offensive line was the biggest mismatch on the field by far. And that was what gave Auburn the win in this game. Uh, Texas A&M, again, it's worth repeating. Texas A&M in the second half, their drives, three plays for zero yards, three plays for zero yards, three plays for zero yards, three plays for negative two yards, three plays for negative 14 yards, four plays for eight yards in a field goal, four plays for 12 yards in a fumble, and then that last-minute drive where they get on the board uh, to make it interesting there late. Auburn's second half, they allowed 85 yards, but – <laughs> they, they allowed 85 yards. 80 of them came on the final drive. They had given up five yards heading into that heading into that drive in the second half. Colby Wooden, that is one of the biggest defensive plays Auburn has had in a while, right? In, in terms of, like, so Auburn had gone up. They were up. They were up 10 to three. Yeah, ten to nothing. Sorry, they were up ten to nothing, and a turnover from Robbie Ashford put the ball interception, put the ball in good field position for for A and M. They got enough yards to kick a forty eight yard field goal. Auburn gave them the ball back, and it was like, okay, can they keep it up? Can this defense hold on to it? And and you know, A and M was going to have to drive a while and all that, but. Colby Wooden, as relayed by himself and several members of the Auburn football team, there was an injury timeout before this play. Colby Wooden 
on before a second and ten, came around to pl- to everybody on the sidelines, told what coaches said, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna get the ball. I'm gonna sack him, and I'm gonna get the ball." He said the left tackle that was facing against him was light setting me. Um, he was trying to all night. They were trying to push him to the outside, push him to the outside, keep him there. He's having to play a lot more edge rusher right now because. Auburn is just light on bodies at this point, especially with Eculiota out. Push him to the outside. They were chipping him. They were double-teaming him. They were doing all this stuff. So he said, all right, here's what I'm going to do. I wanna, I'm going to stab him. I'm going to club him. And I'm going to try to beat him to the point. I'm going to get around the edge. I'm going to try to time the, time the snap. And I'm just going to go so fast. Like, if he wants to push me out to the edge, I'm going to go so fast to the edge that he ain't going to have time to get me. And he did. Jump the snap. Beautiful play. And I'm telling you, I don't know how it looked on TV, Painter, but in the stadium, when he came around the edge, it looked like it happened in slow motion. I, I tweeted I tweeted during the game, it looked like you put the Jaws theme behind it. Like, he was just... It, it, everybody knew it was coming. Because he comes around that edge, and I go, in the press box, I go, oh, he's about to kill this guy. <laughs> Cuts him in half, fumble. Morris Joseph, who had a really good game, um, look at that Auburn, you know, rotating their defensive line. It works. Wow. Who would have thought that land on it? Auburn ends up kicking the field goal to go up by two scores and pretty much putting the game away. Colby wouldn't had one tackle the whole game. And it was that one. It was that one. Now he was, the, I think he led the team in pressures. You know, we talked about it last week, wrote about it last week. Um, Auburn had 15 quarterback pressures against Mississippi State, which is a great number, even against the air raid. They had 21 against Texas A&M. Connor Wyman couldn't see straight in this game, and it really, really impacted him. But, man, what a play. And, look, Colby Wooden's probably going to the NFL soon, I would imagine. Um, he is draft eligible. He has been Auburn's, I think, Auburn's best defensive lineman for a while now. Um, so versatile. I think that play shows it. You know, for a guy who was a defensive tackle by trade, you know, he started off as an edge rusher, back to defensive tackle, having to go back to edge rusher now, making this huge play. And to have that moment and have that memory forever of like, yeah, I told my teammates I'm about to strip strip sack this guy and they and to go out and do it. I mean, that's legendary stuff, man. Like even though the stakes aren't big and Auburn's Auburn's Auburn it would it ended up being a play that cemented that Auburn is going to be sixth in the SEC West instead of seventh. That's uh, people are going to be talking about that one, and like I think that's going to be something you're going to see on highlight films in the future. That that was such a good play by Colby Wooden, and such a great moment for him, a dude that I man, he has given a ton to Auburn, and has had, had doesn't hasn't had a lot to show for it in terms of success, like team success. Getting that moment, I think, was huge for him. For the majority of seasons during the last two head coaches, it often felt like. Auburn might be losing a game, and it could be a close game. You're only down a score or two. Uh, But it also felt like there was not a real chance Auburn could win those games unless something weird happened, often because its offense was struggling. Last night, it was the inverse. Every time Texas A&M had the ball, there was zero fear in my heart. No. They they dominated those guys. And... It was a streak where it was like, I mean, they, they just had their number. Now, like, Texas A&M's got, like, their offense line's bad. Wyman was in a tough spot as, as, a, as, as a freshman. 
I, we've talked about it. Everyone's talked about it. Jimbo Fisher's offense still looks like it's in 2005, and it wasn't helping doing any favors. But, I mean, Connor Wyman finished this game completing less than 40% of his passes. He had a streak where he had 13 straight incompletions. And then the one he completed to end that streak was a hospital ball to a running back that that got blown up for, for a two-yard loss. I mean, they didn't matter. They were in the backfield pretty much every play and made a lot of things happen. And that defensive line, just resetting the defensive line, play after play after play, resetting the line of scrimmage, the rotation, the energy. Marcus Harris had a good game. Derek Hall, Colby Wooden, Jason Jones had a big play uh, on a run stop. You saw Dylan Brooks get in there. We talked about Morris Joseph. I mean, that was what – this is what we thought Auburn's defense could be like all year long. Um, and they figured it out here recently. They've gotten it They've gotten it going, especially in the pass rush here here in the last couple of weeks. But everything else around them, again, yes, A&M's bad. They're very bad. But Owen Papo, Cam Riley, both playing a lot of snaps last night and both playing, I thought, really well at linebacker. There were a couple of breakdowns. There were a couple of pr- – Problems in the in, in coverage. You had some new faces back there. Had some guys had to move around. Jalen Simpson had to play safety. But I mean, tackling in space, great pursuit angles, great coverage from front to back. Texas A and M finished the game with 215 yards. Remember, they got 80 on that last drive to make it look like it wasn't as bad as it was. Only 3.6 yards per play. Here's a stat, and Painter, you may remember this game. Um, I, I don't know if you were there because I was there. Uh, uh, our freshman year at Auburn was the last time Auburn gave up that few yards in an SEC game and won. Um, 215 yards, 3.6 yards per play uh, in a win. Uh, that that The last time we saw Auburn have a dominant defensive performance like that in an SEC game and win it, 2011 against Florida, the game where I remember Will Muschamp losing his mind over a punt. This game was, I mean, just utter dominance from the defense. And uh, it was really cool. Cadillac Williams said after the game uh, that he loves, loves watching defense. He's like, I'm an offensive guy, but I'm on I'm on the sidelines. I love uh, watching dudes uh, play defense, the pursuit, the, you know, all 11 of the ball. Um, I had heard I've heard this before from people who watched him in high school um, and uh, there's there's one of you out there that, I, that I've, I've heard say it a couple times I know you're listening to this podcast so you know who you are that who had, who had seen him and said in high school he's like man he might have been a better safety might have been a better defensive back than he was a running back which is insane to think about because he was you know a great running back rookie of the year in the NFL and all that um but I mean I also think Painter if you were if you were a man on those Tuberville teams um you had to enjoy watching defense go to work and 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 helping out your offense from time to time I pointed this out Auburn had 330 yards of offense in this game in the 2004 season the undefeated season, the perfect season for Auburn. You know, Cadillac and all those guys, Ryan Brown, Jason Campbell, Carlos Wright, the, the shining moment for that team. They had three games that they won where they had fewer yards than Auburn did last night. And I know the game has changed, and I know 
offensive success and numbers and stuff like that look a lot different now than it did, you know, 18 years ago. But it, it was just funny to see, like, there's so much 2004 in the air that Auburn's defense decided to play some 2004 defense and help out an offense that at times looked, looked Tupperville-ian, and um, it still worked. It was still fine. Can't say enough about that Auburn defense. They utterly dominated, and they got to ta- you know they got to benefit from it. You know we've talked about it, Painter. How many games have we seen from Auburn? I mean, heck, you can go since 2016, since the start of the since the start of the Kevin Steele era. How many games have we seen Auburn play um, where the defense dominated, but they couldn't get a win out of it? You know, just because it, it, it wasn't enough. Or the offense didn't do enough. You know, they left no doubt out there. And there was that late touchdown drive where A&M went pace and two-minute drill. And, you know, we've seen – how many times have we seen Auburn come back in those games like that uh, where it was like, um, you know, hey, you haven't had done anything on offense. Well, here, well, what the heck happened on this last drive? Score a touchdown. That happens. But, I mean, a legendary night of defense – ranking right up there with, like, the Iron Bowl last year, except for this time you got to actually win the game. And that went a long way. Another thing that was very 2004 about this game, Auburn had two running backs go nuts. Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter both had 121 yards. Hunter did that on 10 fewer carries. He also had a fumble that was overturned, so Bigsby's day – looked worse by comparison, but Bigsby did have the bigger run to set up Auburn's touchdown, uh, you know, in the first quarter. Um, look, te- this we also said this, Texas A&M's run defense has been really bad, and if you've fully committed to running the football on A&M, you have had success. They did it. 200, once you take sacks out, 282 rushing yards for Auburn, over five yards of carry. Fourth week in a row where Auburn's, Auburn's uh, run game is, you know, they're getting the job done. Um, this was a team that in the first half of the season – Looked like they couldn't do anything consistently on the ground. They have figured it out. Now, they have played weaker defenses during this stretch, which obviously help, but still, the boomer bust rate for this defense, uh, this this running game has gone down a little bit. They're not getting stopped nearly as much as they were, but still enough that it kind of gets it, gets it to a frustrating level, I think, for people watching. Still gets it enough to a level where the problems that Auburn has on offense, you know, has just hung around. Um but, I mean, how big was this? In a game where it was, you know, your defense was dominating, Auburn ran the ball so much with Tank Bigsby, Jarquez Hunter, and Robbie Ashford. Auburn had th- almost 13 more minutes of possession in this game than Texas A&M did. And so even though Auburn wasn't finishing their drives and they weren't scoring on their opportunities, they were still working the clock. They were helping that defense out. They were playing to their strengths. This is it. This is what we had, we had talked about. It's like, you know what you are at this point if you're Auburn. You play to your strengths. Running the ball and then letting that defense kind of tee off against uh, a, a, against a, a bad offensive line and, and that protection. So, ugly, but you can win ugly. You can win ugly because all that, ma- all that mattered last night was to just get the win if you're Auburn. Style points, who cares? You, you need a miracle to make a bowl game. Who cares about that? You're you're getting a new head coach. You're, you know who knows what this roster is going to look like next season. You just got to get the dub, and they did that with, I mean, Tank Bigsby, Jarquez Hunter are running really really well. You look at the stats, Auburn even with some new faces on the offensive line, Austin Troxel out for the season, Brandon Council going down with an injury. They had to put Jaleel Irvin in the game. 
even with some new faces on the offensive line, it felt like they were getting a much better push, a little more consistency. And, and yeah, Bigsby and Hunter created things, but they're just they're just really, really good at what they do. Um, and yeah, again, throwback, throwback. Maybe not a high scoring game. But you had two guys in that. You had a you had a dual uh, threat in the backfield uh, that can get things done, and um, you know, two headed monster like Cadillac used to be a part of. And that, again, that is also, I think, very, very Auburn, very throwback Auburn, very old Auburn, is, as Colby Wooden called it last night. If you are a part of the photography or marketing arm of Auburn Athletics, uh, please get in touch with me about how it is y'all get those photos up on the walls so fast. In particular, the photo of Tank running down the field and Carnell chasing him on the sideline. Incredible yeah, stuff. That, it's that, up already. I, yeah, yeah, it's it, it's incredible. Um, and in the new football facility, they're going to be able to rotate those a lot more quickly um, because they've got a lot of like screens in there instead of like the actual big pictures. But yeah, man, they have it. They have it. Um, they've got Cadillac chase. Yeah, Cadillac chasing tank. They've got um, they've got Cadillac and Zach Etheridge getting dumped with water. Uh, after the game, and they have Cadillac holding up the game ball. Those are already hanging up in the in the athletics complex, like Painter said. Um, that is looks like Kirk probably got a little, little of that I water think, action too. Did he stay dry? You think? I think he might have been able to dance around it. He's a, he's a, he's an agile guy. You know, you gotta you gotta be able to you gotta be able to stay on your feet. Um, but yeah, you run the ball, you hammer the rock. You know, it's not gonna always pan out for you. Um, Texas A&M made some adjustments at some points and, and got it going, but your offensive line, your running game did enough to help you win a grinded out defensive game. It was very good complimentary football. Now, here's the bad stuff. This was game 10 of the season. Robbie Ashford is an inconsistent passer. Auburn is turnover prone, especially with Ashford at quarterback. Auburn's had a hard time finishing drives. That has happened pretty much every game this season. Okay. Getting the energy and the life and the focus and all that from a new interim head coach is not going to fix all of your problems. Case in point, this offense, it is what it is, right? If Robbie Ashford's your quarterback, you're probably going to have some games, unless you're playing a really bad defense like uh, like Arkansas. Passing game's not going to be very consistent. Um, You're going to have some mistakes. You're going to have some turnovers. But it's like, can you can you do enough of the good and manage the bad to keep it going? Finishing drives, like, yeah, Auburn had so many opportunities to put more points on the board. They crossed the 48 times in this game. But penalties, fumbles, a turn, it's just so many opportunities they had that fell by the wayside. They got in their own way. But that's the thing. It's like, that's just the story of this 2022 Auburn offense. You've had a couple of games where things have gotten better through the air. But, I mean, teams have, teams have just figured out how to really make Ashford struggle and take away that Arkansas game. His numbers over the last last half of the season just haven't been very good. Um, but that's not, again, that's not me knocking Robbie Ashford. That's not me, you know, picking on the guy. I'll just say this. He stepped up into a really tough spot. This, is, this has been a really rough year. It's a really rough year to be QB1 on this team and this offense and the way it's currently constructed behind that offensive line, just with all the inconsistencies there. And so he's done an admirable job in that aspect. Man, like he just, 
great throw already. Will Friend and uh, and Ike Hilliard dialing up that Javarius Johnson touchdown after Tank you know broke the big run to to set it up. Beautiful play call, beautiful execution. Threw it right there. They had another one drawn up for Jarquez Hunter, and I mean, if 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 Jarquez Hunter catches that ball, he's still running. Uh, just wide open touchdown pass. You just miss. It. It's just been inconsistent. Again, what's the future look like for Auburn's quarterback room? What's the future look like for Robbie Asher? I think a lot of that's going to come down to who the next coach is and kind of where their philosophy stands and just what what the, what they want. But Robbie Asher's given a lot for Auburn. And, there's, and he is, for a guy who just got here under a previous staff, I think Morris Joseph's a good example of this. There's some other players that played uh, yesterday that stepped up in a big way that are like this as well, Jason Jones being one, um, that, yeah, they were recruited by the previous staff. A lot of those guys aren't here anymore. And it's just the emotion and the energy they feel that even in the bad times, they just keep fighting and plugging away. I think that's a good thing with Ashford is where the stats haven't been there, and the inconsistency has been high, and that has hurt Auburn. He has done a good job of being able to be a guy that can bounce back. We saw it last week against Mississippi State, being him running the ball and just overcoming it. But just the turnovers, it's a lot. And some of them were unfortunate. There were some lucky bounces for Texas A&M and all that. But you still were able to manage it. I, I just, I know it was frustrating. I know it probably got boring for, for some Auburn fans, especially watching on TV in the second half on the offense. But it's just like, you are what you are at this point. It's November. It's been a tough season. This is what your offense is. Is is can you do enough here in these last couple of games to overcome it? They did last night. They came close to doing it against Mississippi State. I think uh, I think they'll be I think they'll they're gonna put up a lot of the fight, but like again, I'm not expecting any miracles from this offense, especially through the air at this point in the year. Additionally, one more one more thing about the about the on field stuff. Last week against Mississippi State, Auburn's special teams Played a big part in the reason why they lost. Now, Anders Carlson reportedly had an injury uh, and did not play. Alex McPherson, now, even if Auburn makes a bowl game, you don't burn his red shirt. Um, so that's a, that's good timing there. If you didn't want to play, you know, for people asking about playing him earlier, at least at this point, if they do beat Alabama and make a bowl game, if they do pull off the upset, and I know that coaching staff and that mindset is going to be, hey, why not? You know, you don't don't play like that, like that game's a, a guaranteed loss. McPherson's first kickoff went out of bounds. Not great. Uh, McPherson missed a long field goal to start uh, early in the early in the second half. The thing there is long field goal. He's got the leg. It's just the accuracy is going to have to come come down. First kick, tough situation. But he hit two short field goals that couldn't have been any more automatic. And as we've seen, these field goals haven't been uh, even the short ones haven't been automatic for Auburn recently. Um, so that was that was helpful. On top of that. Man, Oscar Chapman played a game last night. Oscar Chapman had uh, he had two punts that went over fifty yards, and he had three that pinned inside the twenty, inside the ten, a couple times. He pinned a guy, pinned the team inside the five at one point. The field position battle was big because you're playing defense. Auburn was dominating, and Chapman's ability to pin Texas A&M deep and flip the field position. Earned Auburn a few points that McPherson was able to take advantage of because he was such a weapon. He almost had that one. I think it was before. Yeah, I think it was before the um, 
it was before the the strip sack where Auburn came oh so close to a to an insane down it at the one play. Um, just a great game for him. Great game for Chapman. He uncorked some really good punts. The other punter, the the punter for Texas A and M, is a good punter. Um, was was one of the best ones in the SEC last year. He had a couple of not great punts that Auburn took advantage of. Um, so I mean, like Auburn's punting made a big difference. I know they missed a field goal. I know they kept the ball out of bounds at one point, but like the special teams did their job. And last week was such a rough game for those guys. You know, John Samuel Shanker landing on the on the onside kick. That ball bounced up really high, and so they were able to t- take advantage of it pretty easily. But I mean, shout out to Auburn's shout out to Auburn's uh, uh, special teams for after a kind of a nightmare game in, in Starkville, turning around and and playing a key role and getting that win in a game like this when you're playing defense, your offense isn't firing on all cylinders, you're having a t- hard time finishing drives. It's complimentary football. It's old school football. You know, and, 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 and that's another way where I think Auburn took advantage of it. The Carlson brothers are large boys. They're tall boys. And McPherson's yes. right on the line of being a short king. So we're going to just claim him as a short king. I think he's listed five, at 5'10", five, yeah. five, is what I think the university okay. uh, athletics page says. I'm not sure he's 5'10". Uh, standing next to our lineman, he certainly looks like a short king. McPherson is listed officially at Auburn at okay when he when he got here he was listed at when he got here he was listed at five ten you're right on that painter but he is now currently listed at five nine oh that's and that's short king territory folks and a hundred and fifty pounds he is he is not a very big so dude. before the season Andres Carlson compared Alex McPherson to Justin Tucker who if you know Justin Tucker he's Probably the best kicker who's ever lived. Um, also does the yeah. position with like as much swag as you can reasonably have being a kicker. The thing about Justin Tucker is he's a smaller guy, and if you watch Justin Tucker kick, he's like a soccer player, like a like smaller soccer player, puts every ounce of effort in his body into hitting that ball to striking it. McPherson is the same way because he's a little guy. Auburn's been used to nine years of the Carlson brothers who are tall, like just kick it smooth kind of guys where it's like, Hey, I'm tall. I've got a big leg. I'm just going to let this, you know, going to let, going to let the, the work, you know, do it, do the work. I'm gonna let my body, let my leg do the work for me. Um, McPherson hits that ball. Like he's trying to deflate it every single time. Um, and so, yeah, it is a difference. It is, it is a, it is a change from what we're used to seeing. So be interested to see if, um, how the McPherson development continues because, uh, he did look good on those two short field goals. He had the leg on that on that long one. Just went off to the right. That'll happen. Um, but yeah, new era underway, and uh, Auburn um, Auburn has a a younger brother of an NFL kicker, one of the best kickers in the NFL. Again, uh, Daniel is on a incredible streak in the NFL, hitting field goals, and uh, Alex's brother Evan has you know played a huge role in, in the Bengals getting to the Super Bowl last season. So really, really cool stuff to see McPherson kind of get underway and, and, and hit a couple of big field goals in, in, in a, even though they were short, um, you know, in a, in a game where they Auburn absolutely needed them. I think you got the two things you wanted out of this. Most importantly, a win. Yeah. And the second thing is good vibes. And I understand there's a lot of people lot of right now making fun of Auburn for caring about a game because they're four and six and the season hasn't been good. And those are, 
you know, mostly people who are <laughs> rooting for Auburn's demise and pretending that they don't care at all about Auburn. Uh, so take that for what it's worth. But yeah, I think uh, you get the win. You feel good about where you're at with this interim coach. And now you're kind of just trying to take that momentum into whatever hire you make. I'm sure we'll end up discussing that hire <laughs> a lot over the next couple of weeks. It'll be it'll be a lot of fun to see how this kind of develops, and it'll be a lot of fun to see kind of the, the Cadillac train continue to push on for the next couple of weeks as well. All right, we've got to talk Auburn basketball as well, because you talk about winning ugly. Auburn basketball knows a lot about that this weekend. Uh, a little different circumstances, though. We'll talk about that uh, here shortly. Before we do that, though, if you like this show and you want to hear more of it and you want to hear a lot more of it with uh, the the uh, radio stylings of one uh, Peter Sharpless and Pablo Escobar and Dave McKinney hung out with Pablo yesterday uh, before the game. Uh, he was he was he was excited. He was getting fired up. I know he had a good night. And then uh, and then Dave and the, the gang uh, also. I didn't get to see Dave this weekend, but uh, I could tell he was enjoying enjoying time time on the planes. Uh, as well so if you like the friends of the program uh, podcast where painter and those guys get to go full barn you can only get that if you subscribe to the auburn observer you also get bonus episodes of this podcast so you get twice as much of the main show and you get all of the newsletters as well so auburnobserver.com sign up for six dollars a month sixty dollars a year we're putting out at least one thing every day on auburn football or men's basketball or sometimes both um pretty much every day of the week and uh 6 a.m. Central Time. We email everything to you. It's super easy. So if you haven't subscribed to the Observer yet, it's a perfect time to do so. You can click the link in the description of your podcast. If you got the email version, there's an easy button you can click on, or you can just go to the website and click around, and you will find a way easily to sign up. You get a seven-day free trial if you want to if you want to check us out. Um, also, really good gift for folks. I say uh, for Auburn fans that uh, you might find hard to shop for. Give them a subscription to the Observer, uh, and uh, we like to think people enjoy it. A lot higher than ninety percent of the people who subscribe to the Observer stay around, so that's a pretty good that's a pretty good uh, uh, return uh, if if you're looking for for gift ideas. But AuburnObserver.com, sign up there. There's also a way you can help us out by giving us no more money, uh, and that is what painter. Rate, review, subscribe. I will say I've been saying rate, review, subscribe for Apple because for the, the longest time you subscribe to an Apple podcast, is it now following? I know on Spotify you follow it. I feel like they changed that with Apple so that you are not subscribing anymore. You're following. Same difference, all right? You subscribe, you follow, whatever. It's in your feed when you open up the app. Rating, easy, leave five stars review a line or two about the show. It doesn't really matter what you say. We will take your praise. Um, but if you want to, you know, take 15 seconds to do it, that helps us a lot. And if you give us a review, we will read it on the air because we're vain people and we also like to shout you guys out. We've got a couple of new ones here, Ben. Are you ready? Let's really let it rock. Uh, these are brand new. These, 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 I mean, both of these came up today. Like, these are f as fresh as can be. Uh, this is from CCS4AU. says, Super job capturing the emotion of the Cadillac Williams post-game presser, a real Auburn man. Basketball should be fun. Uh, Painter, love the exit music choice. Hashtag warp tour. Hashtag never forget. What was the a lot of people a lot of people were 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 high on the on the music recently. You you've been on a roll 
here. You've been on a kick recently. So, I I mean, we, this this could be for a while now. But, yeah, Hope Returns to AU Football is the name of that review. So, we appreciate that. Here's another one from CRC3316. It says, listen with caution. You ready? This is a longer one. This is an excellent podcast that I would recommend to any Auburn fan, but proceed with caution. Since I started listening to the show, I've been ripping through my shirts due to the rapid increase in muscle mass, which I have no doubt is the, is because of this podcast. I'm also growing facial hair much faster, and now I have to spend more money on razors and shaving cream. One small benefit is that I'm saving money on coffee as my energy level is much higher than before. I'm honestly a little intimidated to become a paying subscriber as the effects I've discussed are a result of, are a result of only listening to the free episodes. The content is excellent, but it comes at a cost. Well, we hope you can join us in the in the paid uh, episodes. But if you're just a free listener, we get it. We understand. We appreciate you. And yeah, I mean, I'm glad that this this podcast is you know making you more muscular and letting you increase your facial hair. I tell you, as someone who does this podcast, I have neither of those things. Neither of those things are are, are going on for me. They never have at any point in my life. Um, so I'm glad it's working for somebody. We are participating. Yeah, we are participating in No Shave November at uh, my office. Um, are you or are you not participating in No Shave November? I am not because if I so I so my facial hair is terrible. Um, I blame that on uh, my father and uh, his father before him. But we just don't grow great facial hair, which is weird because I have a brother who has a really strong beard. And I, I think he got all I think he got all of it in the family. Like it was just like, You're it. You're you're the only one who's gonna get to have good facial hair. But mine is um and my youngest brother have this has this problem as well. Um it's just like if you don't shave it every few days, it's just gonna look bad. And so like it'll grow out, but there's so many patches it just you know, I'm gonna I I look I look terrible. So but you can pull it off. I wanna You've see you it. do it. I do. I've I've never actually it seen it. It would look really bad. It would look really bad. I'm, I'm not do you, kidding. Like, it do would, you straight look, razor would, that? Just with the old fashioned, or do you have a? Because the way I'm looking at it now, it doesn't look like you use an electric one. It looks like you, if you no. shave, that you're oh, using yeah, with yeah. shaving cream. Just an old, like classic, yeah, shaving cream, old, old razor. Yep, yep. Bick. Fun fact. Fun fact. Uh, I do the uh, I do the Dollar Shave Club ones, but the oh, only, nice. but the ones you but you can get those at Target. I just I, the 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 blades. I um. I'm a very sensitive lad. Yeah, uh, yeah. My face, my skin, my skin sucks. Another thing I inherited from my parents. But um, yeah, the the extra blades help me out a lot. Uh, I'll tell I'll tell you that. Yeah, it would look really really bad. So I don't I don't think uh, I don't think anybody should should see that. It's it's uh, it's terrible. But I'm glad it's I'm glad the facial hair and the muscle mass are working for other people. Because uh, it's not working for me. This is a sacrifice I make for all of you. Painter, on the other hand, is jacked and has a great beard. So that's that's what we that's what I'm having to deal with. All right, let's. Uh, oh, one more thing. Sorry. Whoops. Sorry, folks. I saw several of these over the weekend from some folks, and first I have to get some confirmation here, Painter. Did you finally send Pablo and Dave their T-shirts? They have been mailed, but we have had issues with our mail. I've had stuff taking okay. forever, so um, okay. I I have mailed them, um, but yeah. As far as I, I, when they will get there, I don't know. Several folks I saw this weekend, which is really cool, having the Auburn Observer T-shirts, either the basketball game or the football game. Um, if you want an Auburn Observer T-shirt, uh, the most comfortable Navy, you know, Heather Navy T-shirt that money can buy with the Auburn Observer logo, nice and tastefully done uh, on the uh, on the chest, you got to go to homefieldapparel.com. Homefieldapparel is the number one place to buy 
premium vintage collegiate apparel, um, including our uh, the official Observer T-shirt. Just go there and search Observer, and you can find it easily. You also get a lot of cool Auburn stuff. They've got 24 Auburn T-shirts, hoodies, uh, crewnecks uh, for sale up right now. Um, they got some really cool basketball designs, some cool baseball designs, some cool football and just general Auburn stuff. Um, it's the most comfortable uh, T-shirts and hoodies you're going to find anywhere. I basically live in home field stuff. Uh, and uh, it's going to be a really, really good time to jump on board and get you some get you some home field. 15% off your first order at home field if you use the promo code OBSERVER when you check out. So get some Auburn stuff. Get the get the Observer T-shirt. Um, get T-shirts for uh, for – uh, teams that you just like and logos that you think are cool, which is what I do, homefieldapparel.com. Thank you to Connor and the gang for helping us out, for, for printing our T-shirts and being a great supporter of what we've got going on here. All right, here we go. Now that we're 55 minutes into this podcast almost, let's talk basketball. Auburn hoops. Um, it happened again. Auburn played a really ugly basketball game against South Florida. Uh I think this is it. I think it was just a home-and-home home for them. Uh, but Auburn, 67, South Florida, 59. This game played out almost identically to the one last year in the fact that Auburn couldn't hit water if they fell out of a boat in the first half. They were down early. They were down at the break. In the second half, they just wore South Florida down, started hitting more shots, started converting more officially. Defense was great throughout. Auburn gave up 59 in this one. Um Auburn allowed, I believe it was 111 points uh, in the first two games of the season combined, uh, which is uh, the fewest. Yes, 111 points, which is the fewest for for the through the first two games of the of the season since 2005. So this is the best defensive start that an Auburn team has had under Bruce Pearl. Painter, I mean, Auburn's offense is rough at the moment. They got some stuff done in the second half that I think, you know, can give you some signs of life. This is the exact same game almost that happened last year at South Florida. So I wouldn't overreact to it too much because Auburn played this exact same game last year. Next game out, they, you know, scored 109 in a, in a double overtime game with UConn. So, like, this is not dooming you to, like, this team is going to be dreadful on offense throughout the year. I thought in the second half, the numbers sorted themselves out a lot better. Um, but, yeah, right off the bat, Bruce Pearl said it. We're not really good offensively right now. It's true. It's true. Um, I don't think the looks are bad. I think they get out of control too much and, and turn the ball over. They're still figuring things out. The shooting's not great from beyond the arc, but I think it's one of those things where, like, there's no Jabari Smith on this team. There's no Justin Powell on this team. You know, Justin Powell, before the SEC, before his injury, before, you know, SEC play a couple years ago, he was a dead eye. There's really not a guy like that on this team. Instead, what you're going to have to expect is you hope that everybody takes a step forward to the point where you just get to be a solid three-point shooting team. I don't I don't see a dead eye rescuing you or anything like that. However, however, Alan Flanagan, 3 of 5 from deep in this game, 6 of 10 from the field. He had a fantastic game in everything but turning the ball over. Um, 18 points off the bench for, for Flan. Um... Wendell Green Jr. put the team on his back in the second half, scored layups on three straight possessions, and then went a perfect 8 of 8 from the free throw line to finish it out. When, I mean, they couldn't guard him, and then they couldn't stop fouling him. 
and and it he just he just took care of his matchup. Auburn, you know, South Florida packed it in. They have a really good defense. They switched it up with the zone to try to make it even more, uh, you know, even tougher for Auburn to get to the, into the lane and and get you know higher efficiency looks and make them shoot even more from beyond the arc. Auburn, Bruce Pearl had the perfect uh, offensive strategy. Is something they worked on all week in practice. It's like if the zone comes, we know what we're going to do. We're going to screen it, which is what people don't usually do up top, and we're going to get we're going to get Wendell Green Jr. going downhill into the basket and create from there. It really really worked. But offense not hot right now. Second half, I thought they did a lot better. Um, but I mean, you got enough from you got enough from Allen Flanagan, you got enough from Wendell Green Jr. And that defense is just so suffocating early that it's not great. I told I've told people not to panic about the shooting. I still wouldn't panic about it. I just think it could limit the ceiling of the team. Man, it's early. Like I said, you played an identical game against South Florida last year, and you won the SEC, and you you put up some good numbers in the process. So this is not the end of the world. It's not you know Auburn's not destined to be really bad on offense all year long, but they got a lot of work to do. But it's good to see guys like Allen Flanagan come up. And play. I think I think the Flanagan the Flanagan uh, surge was really really strong in this game. Goes without saying, uh, as Wendell Green Jr. goes, so Auburn goes. Um, did not have Janai Broom going 0-6 from the field, scoring only three points on my bingo card. Need more from him, especially when that ankle. Uh, that yeah. ankle is really bothering. Him. Which which is fine, but like in these early games where we're playing overmatched opponents, why is he out there then? I, I'm, I'm, they've got doctors. They know their team better than I do. So, you know, a light criticism. I'm just curious if it's affecting his plate and he looks like that. Yeah. Why is he playing against George Bruce, Mason in South Florida? Yeah. Bruce Pearl said after the game, he said, we got to figure out something there. We've got to do something. And I don't know. I don't know if it's a, it's a, he can play. He's just not, it's affecting him. It's definitely affecting him. It helps that Dylan Carwell is playing as well as he is to start the year. Five blocks again for for Dylan. Uh, he's number two in the country in block percentage to start the year. Um, rebounded the ball really well. Um, again, not going to give you a ton on offense at the moment, but he doesn't have to. Uh, yeah, I just they got to get Broom back back to 100. percent I don't know if that's going to be resting him more or changing some things up, but I, I agree with you. Over oh six with three turnovers was was pretty rough. And a lot of people are pointing to how nice it'll be to get Westry back. And there may be truth to that, but I do think, I mean, he's been out for a month and, um, he hasn't played a competitive game as a, as a college player yet. So like how much you can expect from him right away. I don't know. I I wouldn't count on chance Westry coming in and saving the day for you in particular later on in the year, once you get into sec play and the tournaments, it's like, how many teams do you know that are leaning on true freshmen? So I think Westry adds some things, some elements to, oh, yeah. to what is already a promising roster that needs some help offensively. He may be that shot in the arm, but I would caution people against assuming that that's going to wipe away some of these issues right now. Yeah, and, and I don't think Westry is going to be the guy who's necessarily the sniper that you that you want, but he's going to do he's going to do a lot of stuff for an offense. I think he's going to help. Uh, with you on the wing, Chris Moore played well as well. I mean, you, that's got to be said. He he had an efficient night, um, and and rebounded well. Played good defense. Nothing. Zero points from Katie Johnson and 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 Zepp Jasper, uh, which I did not see coming in this game. However, want to point back last season against South Florida, Wendell had zero points uh, in, in that game. Uh, Allen 
well, you know, obviously Alan Flanagan was not was not available. So like something about South Florida just really does something to Auburn uh on the defensive end. Um but yeah. Uh Bruce Pearl talking about how uh, the four man did not do as well in this game. Jalen Williams, Yoan Treor combined to go three three of nine from the field. Like there was so much that just didn't work for Auburn and yet they won by eight. And it was once they got on that run, they went on that surge, and a lot of it was keyed by that defense. But Flanagan hitting some shots, Wendell Green putting it away. It's just that defense. That defense is so good so early that, to me, again, we, we talked about it the other day, but to me, offense can step up. Offense, especially shooting, can come and go. It can, it can, it, it can vary a lot more. But if you're this locked in on defense early, and yeah, South Florida's really bad on deep, on offense. This is a very get Texas A&M. It's a really bad offensive team. But take advantage of what, what you got. And outside of some outside of some defensive rebounding uh, issues, where you know Auburn did not dominate the boards as much as you thought they would, because I think they gave it way too many second chance looks and some easy putbacks. Outside of that. Pretty good, pretty good game for for Auburn uh, on the defensive side, and and that's going to help them. I mean, I remember I went back and looked at it from South Florida from the South Florida observations last year. I wrote defense is going to buy time for offense, and I and I believe that again uh, because in the second half, kind of like in the second half of the George Mason game, it looked better for Auburn. Uh, in the second half, Auburn um, one point two seven eight points per possession, scored on sixty percent of their trips. Not light the world on fire offense, but those are good offensive numbers. You just got to you can't get into those big holes, especially early on. You got to you got to and against George Mason, they started hot and faded, and then came back strong in the second half and put them away. This game, you were just in such a bind early and such such a hole that they needed to go on that run in the second half just to get in that spot. But when it was going, the crowd was rocking. Everything everything really started to click for Auburn it'll be able to buy time again. It's not good. They've got to, they've got to do a lot better. I think this team, like the, the three pointers they're taking, they're shooting less than 20% from deep right now, which is bad. Very bad. The three pointers that they're taking are open. They're not bad shots. You don't feel like they're forcing. They're just not going down. Well, in that, and in that game where some of them open because South Florida was okay with them being open, they were packing it in. Yeah. 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 It was just the way they did. They 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 collapsed a ton on defense, and then they jumped into a zone that 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 packed it in even more. Yeah, they were inviting you to do it, and that's the thing. It's the gamble that you run. I mean, Syracuse has done it for forever under under Bayheim, where it's like, if we make sure that you don't get the most easy shots on the floor at the at or around the rim, we feel like we can play well around it. The thing about the zone and the thing about a lot of those things is like, if teams start hitting you from deep, you're going to be underwater quickly, and. Auburn never got to that point, although Flanagan did make some of those big shots. I think uh, uh, Wendell had a, had a had a shot or two from deep that was really good. Um, what Auburn's got to do, like in the first half, they only took 10 two-point field goals in the first half, and I think only four of them were at the rim, were layups or dunks. Second half, that, that number increased by a decent bit. They got to find ways to generate more quality looks at and around the rim. Uh, because they've got the guys who can finish it. I think when a green's shown that he can be a good finisher, I think 100% Jani Broom with his inside game can help. We know Jalen can do it. Yoan Traor hasn't really shown that yet, but that's a, a part of his game. Some point, some touches for Carwell. And then you've got KD, who's gotten better at driving to the basket and, and finishing there. Allen and, and Chris, obviously, on the wings have, have gotten that. 
Trey Donaldson, I think that's one of his best parts of his game, really, because he's tough and he's physical at finishing around the rim uh, for a guy his size. Um, you know, I'm not a basketball coach, and like if the shots are there, like Auburn's, you got to hit your threes, and a Bruce Pearl team's always going to take threes, especially if they're open. But I think Auburn has a chance here early on in the year to help kind of settle some of these offensive woes by just trying to find ways to get more higher quality looks. And I think they did that in the second half. They got to the free throw line a lot more. They played a lot more physically. That's why Wendell Green had such a good second half. That's why Alan Flanagan finished well. Those games are kind of built for them. Um, you got to take advantage of that. You have to take advantage of that if you're Auburn, and, and, and it can help you out in a big way. Uh, yeah, with with shooting, it's a current weakness uh, unless that changes. I expect Auburn to be in a lot of close games. Its defense is going to keep them in essentially every game. And while it's early, I mean, has Auburn had more than two players play well offensively? Like, I guess Moore and Wendell Green Jr. and, and Janai Broom all played well in the opener against George Mason. I think offensively it really feels to me like only Allen and Wendell had a good game yeah. the other night. So, like, uh, you know, again, early they're still figuring themselves out. Shooting is probably not going to be great this year, but would like to see more than two or maybe a third guy that's getting, you know, 17 minutes a game play well offensively at the I think same the difference, time. I think the difference in this game also is like South Florida's a better defensive team than George Mason is. On top of that, Auburn was able to really just bury George Mason early and, and keep him in front because they were rebounding so well. In this game, Auburn did not rebound as well as, as they should have. Um, and so it's like it's the exchange you make, right? We're not shooting the ball well, but we're getting a lot more possession to you because we're turning you over. We're getting second chance opportunities. Auburn's got to cut down. The turnovers Auburn had in this game, I think a lot of them, to me, look like the offense getting a little too amped up, trying to do too much. It wasn't like South Florida was just pressure and pressure and pressure and you, and you lost the ball that way. Most of those were bad passes, self-inflicted wounds, some mistakes that you can correct, you can get going. Um you can kind of figure it out. But I think the big takeaway in this game is that you can the second half showed you ways that you can manufacture some offense in tough spots. Allen Flanagan looking as good as he did on offense is a great sign. Um, you know, he's got to cut down the turnovers. But the man who plays defense as well as he does on the wing, and if he gets that offensive flow back, we saw him in the exhibition do it. We've seen it in this game again. If you can kind of keep it going and be a guy that can give you 12, 13, 14, 15 points a night, and hit shots from the outside, I mean, that's a huge difference maker on this team. That's huge where you have that connecting piece between your experienced backcourt and your and your deep front court. Like, having that is big. Chris Morris continuing to play well. Like, there are good moments. Trey, Trey has shown flashes. Now, Trey didn't play as much in this game um, as people would expect it, but also Jalen Williams, look at his plus minus and, and what he did on the floor away from shooting the ball, did a good job. Um so, yeah, it's just they're going to have to sort some stuff out. They're not lighting the world on fire early, but you know what? I think Bruce Pearl prefers it this way. I think Bruce Pearl prefers to have a team that's still got a lot to work on. I mean, he said it before the season started. He said, we got to get a lot better in these first four games at home before we go to Cancun. I think these first two games have kind of underscored a lot of that for Auburn. I'm not saying this team's going to magically become the Warriors overnight and start shooting, you know, hitting a ton of threes over and over again. But what I am saying is, there's plenty of time for this offense to improve. We saw it last year. There's no Jabari Smith on this team on offense, but instead what you're going to have to do is hope that everybody takes a step up from where they were last year and then some of the new pieces catch up. 
the season led by Isaac and Samir that got cut short, uh, if I remember correctly, that was a pretty good rebounding team who made its money, not shooting great from the free throw line, but just getting there so much that you were bound to get points that way. And of course, playing good defense. Do you think there's any chance we see some shades of that this season? I think that I think that style is probably going to serve them that way. Like I, I do think there's a lot of similarities between this team and the 1920 team for sure. It's just going to be, and I mean, heck, that team won how many games in a row to start the year? 18. <laughs> what was it like? It was they went on a crazy run to start the year, but yeah, they had to figure it out. They had to kind of sort sort itself out over time. I think that's kind of be going to be how this team plays more 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 likely than, more likely than not. I do think though, like. If you can get out, if you can get what Alan Flanagan did as a jump shooter in this game more consistently, and you see the good from KD, Zep, Wendell, if they take those steps forward, again, they're not going, they're not going to kill you with their three point shot, but they're going to, if they can just be average. We've said that so many times. If they can just be average, they'll be fine. But that defense, that stronger inside presence, that stronger. I mean, this is going to be kind of a grinded out kind of team early on. And I think when they play really quality competition, Auburn's going to win some rock fights this year. They're going to win some ugly ones. And it's like, y'all better get on board with it if you're an Auburn fan because it's just, that's just that's just the DNA of this team. I think they can be a lot better on offense. But I think, as we said all year, defense was – I mean, they were talking about this in, in, in the spring. They were talking about this in the summer, in the Israel trip. Defense is going to be the identity of this team. This is not going to be the Final Four team in terms of just run and gun, light it up, light up the scoreboard that way. So I think what Bruce Pearl does a really good job of is adapting to what his team has and and kind of developing as the season goes on. They're really going to have to do that this year. Just hope that well, offense gets, I mean, three-point shooting gets to be average, and I feel really good about this. And there's a lot of time um, left between now and conference play to sort some of these things out, but yeesh. They 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 can they cannot keep shooting from three like they are right now. Absolutely not. I uh, want to talk real quick. Auburn plays Winthrop on Tuesday night, so that'll be before we talk again. Winthrop under Mark Prosser. Winthrop's one of those teams that is just constantly uh, one of the best teams in the Big South. They've won twenty three games each of twenty four. Yeah, they've won twenty three or more games each of the last three seasons. Um, they have not been to the tournament in a minute, I don't think. Uh, but they've done a great job, um, you know, just being a really good small conference team. Uh, this season so far, they got blown out on opening night to Penn State uh, in uh, in State College. They beat Piedmont, uh, a non-D1 team, by 22. Uh and then they played Saturday, so they're going to have a shorter break. Uh, one at one by eight against Middle Tennessee at home, which is a good win for them. What do we know about these uh, these Winthrop uh, uh, Eagles? Their experience. There's a lot of seniors and juniors on this team. Um, decent minutes continuity. The thing that stands out to me looking at them, though, um, they're short. They're short and they shoot a lot of threes. That is. That has been the style of Winthrop for so long. It's been the style of a lot of teams at uh, at Winthrop um, over the years. Um, they are shooting 43% from deep to start the year, 89% from the free throw line, which is really good. Um, but the problem with them is they turn the ball over a lot. They've turned the ball over on 24% of their possessions. They are one of the worst teams. They, they have one of the lowest rebounding percentages in America to start the year. 
Um, they are currently at 353rd in the country uh, in offensive rebounding percentage, which is 9.1%. Um, they also get blocked a ton. They've also gotten blocked a ton. Um, they've gotten blocked 26.4% of the time uh, this year. Um, and, you know, obviously that plays right into what Auburn can do on defense as, as the block percentage. So I expect Auburn to try to extend their defense out a lot, funnel it in, try to get get, it, get them stuff. So this is going to be big to contest, 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 be physical at the point of attack, force those turnovers, and kind of lead them into those situations where they do get their shots blocked um, because that's going to be the thing. Now, if Winthrop is able to pass the ball and Auburn's not, you know, playing good assignment defense and they can hit open shots. This is this is their bread and butter. Spread the floor, take a ton of shots from deep. That's that's the Winthrop way. That is the Big South way. It's a conference where you just see so many so many uh, three pointers each year. But one of the through the first week of the season, one of the worst teams in the country at giving up offensive rebounds and also getting their shots blocked. That should be an area where Auburn takes full advantage. The defensive side for Winthrop, not great. Um, they are giving up a ton of two-point field goals this season. They don't turn the ball over a lot. They're not a great rebounding team. So Auburn should be able – like, this is not South Florida. This is not even George Mason on the defensive end. They should be able to sort some things out that way. Wouldn't be surprised if it was a close game just because I think Winthrop can shoot the ball deep if they hang around early. But um, there's a couple of really clear advantages Auburn has – uh, matchup-wise and personnel-wise in this game that I think they'll be able to uh, to take advantage of. Um, I mean, Winthrop has a few six seven guys that play, but those are the tallest dudes they have on the floor. Their six ten guy doesn't play a ton, or at least hasn't at the beginning of the year. But, yeah, a lot of blocks, a lot of, lot of rebounding losses, uh, and um, Auburn should be able to take advantage of that. Penn State, I think, is very comparable to what they're going to get. Penn State in that game... Penn State out-rebounded them by eight, it looks like. Uh, Penn State also had 24 assists on 33 made baskets, which is excellent. Penn State went 18-38 to 38 from deep against them. So those those opportunities are going to be there. Um, it's just going to be a matter of if Auburn can hit them or not. I think it's, it's going to be like, uh, you know, I, I got this kind of wrong because of the way Auburn went. In the end, second half, I think it fell out the way, the way it did. It's just very identical to the game they played last year is that it's like Auburn has the defense, it has the size, it has the strength inside where I think, yeah, they'll win this game and they'll probably win solidly. How much they win by is going to come down to, hey, can you hit open shots or not? Because you're going to get those looks. This is going to be a matter of hitting them or not. And this week is before Auburn goes to Cancun, you get Winthrop, you get Texas Southern. There's going to be two teams where you should be able schematically to take some advantages um, and and work on a lot of what, what what's ailed you to this point in the year. All right, I think that'll do it. Um, Mike Burgermaster can get it done. I believe it. <laughs> Saw Mike at the football game last night. So he was playing. Like, hey, it's that him. guy. It's the it's the it's the scheduling god. Um, it's uh that that'll do it for us though. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, there's a lot into this one. Oh, I did say we were going to talk about the football facility. Well, let me do that. Let's do that real quick. Um, there's a thread I have on Twitter of the photos from the football facility that are pretty cool. I'll tell you this. 
The one thing I'll say about the football facility is Auburn's going to have the best one in the country. Now, for how long? It'll depend on who gets the next gets the next football facility. They always just take a step up. But what I think is important about this, the timing is everything. Facilities are not as big of a deal as they used to be because of NIL. But what I think this facility, I mean, I wrote, I wrote about this. Auburn approved that facility three years ago, and it's just now getting completed. And we've been talking about this for years and years and years. What this facility, I think, does it's going to give a shot in the arm to recruiting. It's going to give a shot in the arm to potentially bringing in another head coach, um, and just kind of the kind of all of that going there, their player retainment. You know, it's just I think a lot of that is going to really really help Auburn. Um, it's got all the bells and whistles. There's some really cool stuff in there. Um, I think the practice fields, like the actual fields and the pra- there's just so many more just modern improvements that I think is just going to make life a lot easier for the people who work in Auburn football and are part of it. It's cool. There's a lot of the the comforts. Uh, the t- the players' lounge is awesome. I like the idea of having the locker room separate from the players' lounge because you don't want to hang out where all your you know dirty um, you know football clothes are. A lot of big big major uh, adjustments and, and upgrades to their training room, hydrotherapy, all that. A lot of stuff that they needed uh, to kind of play catch up in the arms race. Some cool bells and whistles elsewhere. Um, the projector wall. In the big room, uh, there's the the room in the middle where they call their indoor teaching area where they can – it's enough room to do walkthroughs in there. And there's a wall. Uh, LSU had this, and apparently in the 2019 season when they won the national title, it was huge for them in their preparation. It's a big projector wall where they can have the scout team, they can have you know something set up, you know, a, a film of it. So it's like, hey, this team is lined up in this formation. It's a big ultra-wide wall. And you, your your players can physically line up and get aligned across from it and say, okay, this is what we do on this play. This is what we're going to do in this situation. It's just a better visual way to go through walkthroughs. That's a cool upgrade as well. Uh, a lot of folks got to go through it uh, in the public um, here uh, over the weekend. There's another opportunity to do that on Friday if you're coming in for the Western Kentucky game and you didn't get a chance to do it on Friday. A lot of cool stuff there. Um, so just – that there's a lot that works. But to me, I think the big thing painter is that Auburn had to catch up. Auburn had to, Auburn had to get the play and feel leveled off. some in terms of facilities, cause they had had been behind for a while to some of the big, big boys, the big players in college football. Now it's like, Hey, it's leveled off. Auburn's caught up. Now that this is the NIL era, it's like, all right, we have, we got our baseline back to that point. Now let's go all in with NIL to the fact that Bruce Pearl is pushing back a practice facility that they need in basketball to get that NIL rolling. And on to victory has been such a, you know, the, the last few months they have, they've really caught fire. Um, it's just timing, right? If you want to bring in a new head coach, you want to bring in big time recruits, you want to bring in transfers, you want to bring in assistants, you've got a brand spanking new facility. You can, you can show off and that's going to be a weapon. And, um, I think it's going to let Auburn – like, Auburn's going to have to be very aggressive in NIL. And it sounds like from what John Cohen and others are saying, that's what they're going to have to be. But to me, that facility – yeah, you can make the jokes. It's like, hey, this is a really cool facility. Um, and, you know, it'll be out of date. <laughs> you know, it won't be the best facility in college football for another few months. Thing is, though, it's going to be one of the best. And it's going to um, – you know, it's going to help Auburn, all things equal – hang with a little bit more more of the big boys and then yeah nil is going to have to take them over the top 
and uh, really cool facility. If you haven't had a chance, I mean, if you've been in, if you were in Auburn this weekend, or if you're going to be in Auburn Friday evening, you know, before the basketball game, before the football game on Saturday, check it out. It's really cool. It's a it's a it's a really cool thing. You can check out my Twitter thread and see all the pictures and all that if if you want to go through it. A lot of info in that thread as well. So said we were going to talk about the facility. There's a there's a few minutes on it. Sorry, I almost forgot it. Renovate Jordan Hare Stadium. Give Bruce his facility. Yeah, that's that's got to be the next one. Modernize right. the athletic department building. John Cohen, it's your time to shine, baby. This is one of the things I heard uh, positive words about. You got a lot of upgrades uh, that I personally yes. want to see you do because it affects me. So yeah, and that's, also that's I think it's the friend. I think it's the friends of the program uh, philosophy that you can make a lot of that money uh, by the by the. Uh, selling of adult beverages at Auburn uh, athletics events. The campaign is well on its way. I feel good about where we stand. A lot of work to be done. The work is just beginning. Much like Auburn football, the work is just beginning uh, for sure. And, uh, yeah, we'll uh, shout out to John Cohen. Uh, I accidentally bumped into him last night. yeah, I mean, I, when you I, say bumped into him, like literally, like, like literally, Literally, we were walking. We were. I was trying to get through the interview room, um, and like we're going between things. And I like shoulder checked him, um, and uh, I didn't mean to. But former athlete, he took it. He took it in stride. By the way, by the way, I had. To, I have to ask you because you're the man of you're the man of taste and culture. Uh, Cadillac's uh, suit, Tiger Walk. It is not how something that I would wear. wear. It, it is something that Cadillac, Cadillac Williams. Williams I don't think very many people could pull uh, it off. Former NFL, NFL player, player and now uh, the, the darling of Auburn athletics alongside Bruce Pearl can wear. And still, still in incredible shape. shape. So I think your figure uh, matters when you're going with that style. And when you're in good shape, you tend to be able to pull things off like that. Yeah, I couldn't pull it off. You couldn't pull it off. I think most of the people listening to this podcast couldn't pull it off. But Cadillac really pulled it off. And I wanted him to coach in that suit. But, um, you know, you don't want to ruin it when you get the when you get the ice bath. And as much as he's running and moving during during the game, uh, that probably would have gotten uncomfortable. Although it was cold last night, it was it was it was quite cold uh, by the end of that game. So, all right, uh, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, new newsletter dropping tomorrow morning for those of you who are subscribed. You can read the observations from the uh, Texas A and M game and the South Florida game on AuburnObserver.com. Sign up there. Everything we do gets emailed to you, like we said. Uh, we will be back for a podcast. I think we're going to roll this out probably on Wednesday or Thursday. We're going to record it a little bit earlier this week, uh, but we'll do a recap of the um, Winthrop game in basketball and look ahead to the Western Kentucky game in football. Um, that might come out on Wednesday instead of Thursday this week. We will see. Uh, we'll record that uh, right after the game on Tuesday night. Um, so that'll be the next time you'll hear from us. I uh, don't know if friends of the program will be back anytime soon. Seems like there might be some momentum there or not, but stay tuned either way. Um, and, uh, yeah, we've got, you know, I'll have coverage of, you know, we got three games this week uh, for Auburn Athletics, uh, the teams that we cover. Uh, so Winthrop game, Texas Southern game, Western Kentucky game. You get all the observations, get all the newsletters, all the insight between that at the Observer. So appreciate everybody listening. Thank you for tuning in. A lot of fun this weekend. Should be another fun week. Uh, And uh, thank you all for uh, supporting what we do because it is 100% from you guys. And uh, we greatly, greatly appreciate it. Painter, the next mailbag is number 100. 
100. And so I think I, I, I'm putting you on the spot here, but this is what we're going to do. I've, I've decided this is what we're going to do. For the 100th mailbag, I already started coming up with your questions. For the 100th mailbag, you know, people, I write most of the mailbags, but people love the painter mailbags. Here's what we're going to do. Start thinking of questions because in the 100th mailbag for the observer, you can ask questions and both of us will answer. We're going to tag team this thing. We're going to tag team this thing. We're going to, so think of questions that will work well for both of us and we will, uh, we will, we will combine forces uh, to do something a little fun here. So get your, get your mailbag questions in. Email them either to me or Painter uh, and uh, yeah, we'll put them, we'll put them in. We'll have a lot of fun with it. All right. Sounds good. Great. Painter, final thoughts. Proud, Proud of y'all. Keep, Keep it up. up.